back, everyone. It's Four Wins in June. Today is the first game of the play-in tournament. We are so excited, right, Cor? Yeah, it's an exciting time. It's kind of sad to see the regular season is over. It feels like just yesterday it started. Um, but I'm excited to get in the play-in. It's, uh, the nerves are starting to set in. Like, oh, my gosh, what if my team loses? Like, how am I going to face everyone? But uh, it's exciting times. I'm excited for the play-in to figure out who we're going to play first round. Hopefully it's the Hawks, but I think it's going to be the Heat. So we'll, we'll break it down here in this episode and some of the other matchups as well. And we have uh, some special guests here, some three super fans of the Kings, if you guys want to introduce yourselves. Yeah, so my name is Nick Oler. My name is Ben Oler. I'm the brother of Nick. And my name is Kent Stone. Yeah, it's an exciting time for Nick's fan, uh, for sorry, for Kings fans. Uh, first time in the playoff in, what, like 20 years? 17 years. 17 been, years. Been Longest been... drowned sports. Basically our whole lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> They're keeping but, track, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the Beam team made it in. We're stoked. We'll get to talk a lot about that, as well as Dana will have a chance to discuss the Kings-Warriors series. I'm sure you guys will be anticipating that debate. But we wanted to kind of set up some of the games that ended off the regular season that we're exciting we want to talk about. Yeah, for sure. I think one that comes to mind was the, the Pelicans and the Timberwolves. Oh, yeah. That one was crazy because you had Gobert. We'll talk about that too. But Gobert and Jaden McDaniels and Kyle Anderson they got in a bit of a scuffle. And then towards the end, you thought that the, the Pelicans would pull it off. And then C.J. McCollum decided to play like a G League player. And then uh, all of a sudden, Anthony Edwards did a nice block wow. and then scored. So. Anthony, that block by Anthony Edwards was magical, man. He got up. It was insane. He did. And then, I don't know, the second one I think is the Clippers and the Suns. For some reason, I don't know why the Clippers won that one. Yeah, it was kind of like this little dance they were doing. Like, oh, like do we want to win? Do we want to lose? Um, so if the Clippers had lost that game, it would have sent them to the play-in, I'm pretty sure. They would have played the Lakers first round. Um, and so some people are like, maybe they want to lose. They can play the Grizzlies first round instead of the Suns. So, But they decided to win, so they get the Suns in first round, which honestly, I think they can win the series. I don't think it's that crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'd wish him good luck. As long as if Kevin Paul Durant, George can but... come back. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, let's talk about that Rudy Gobert punch. Uh, anyone can chime in, but what what are we thinking with that? First to speak. Man, well, my thoughts are, first off, you got the last game of the year, you got the playoffs coming up. How are you going to be punching your teammate right before the playoffs, man? I mean, you got to have some sort of, some sort of um, patience. I don't know what the right word would be, but... Um, That'd be cool, comic like in those scenarios. Obviously, I'm sure it can get heated in in, uh, in a big game like it was for the Timberwolves at the night. Um, but then the day to push your own teammate, punch your own teammate, man, right before the playoffs, that's not very good for the team chemistry. And on top of that, now he's suspended for the first game of the play-in, which just hurts your team even more. So not only is the chemistry getting worse, um, but now you're at that disadvantage of having you know your star center out for that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Also, I don't know where exactly this quote is. I saw it on my Instagram feed, but I know that like the day before, Gobert had made some comment about how about how um, Kyle Anderson is very competitive and kind of aggressive sometimes, but he respects it and he's not. He would never lash out at him. I think it's yeah. interesting the day after he does, and of course, it's the last game of the season, it doesn't really make much sense, but just shows Gobert's character, I guess. Yeah, it, it definitely does because honestly, like what they were like, Woj and Shams were reported like what was actually said. It, didn't seem that bad like yeah it was pretty rude but like in terms of NBA trash talk 
Like, it wasn't that extreme. It doesn't excuse what Kyle Anderson said or what Rudy Gobert said or did. They both look bad in this situation, obviously. But it's just like, come on, guys. It's you got to be adults here. you got to um, be able to move past that and focus on winning. Well, I think, too, a lot of it is the timing of it. You know, obviously in sports it's competitive, especially in the NBA. Um, they compete every day in practice, you know, with and against each other, even in practice. But did it be, you know, game 82 right before a playing game? I mean, those are the type of things. I mean, we saw it with Draymond and Jordan Poole early on in the year. Um, but that was, I think, before the season even started, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, those things happen. You can, you know, chirp, fight with your friends, fight, fight with your teammates a little bit. But game 82 right before the playoffs, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. definitely not the right timing. And we like, I like that you brought up Jordan Poole and Draymond because when, when that incident happened, Gobert went to Twitter and said, uh, insecurity is always loud. Guess what happened two days ago? Draymond got on Twitter. He said, insecurity is always loud. So take that, Gobert. A little fun, <laughs> fun clap back there. Um, but I like what you guys said. It's about they need to focus on winning. But the Timberwolves played better when he was out. So, like, is it really like, oh, we don't like what Gobert did. That's why they suspended him. Or do they think they can play better without him? Like, it's kind of goes both ways. Like, if you're playing the Lakers, I think the bigger loss is obviously Jaden McDaniels punching a wall and breaking his hand. Because you need someone like that to guard LeBron, but at the same time, like Gobert, like is he really going to slow down Anthony Davis? I don't think so. Yeah, you know my my thought on the Timberwolves front court. You know, obviously, um, on one hand, is it tough to have two seven footers, right? Kind of slower. Um, obviously, Gobert's not really much of a shooter. Yes, but at the end of the day, it's like if I have a, a guy that's seven foot two, has led the league in blocks before, has been defensive player of the year before. You know, as much of a liability he could be um, on the offensive end in some scenarios, <clears throat> on the defensive end, he is a reigning defensive player of the year. And so that's definitely a loss for the Timberwolves, in my opinion. Um, we'll see how they come out tonight. I think Anthony Edwards is an up-and-coming superstar in the league. Um, I think Cat, you know, obviously he was out for, I don't know how many games he was out for, but he's out for a while. He's back, getting back into his rhythm. Um, and Mike Conley, he's, he's on the T-Wolves right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's been great. For the T Wolves, I think since mm. he got traded from the Jazz, he's been a perfect so, fit for them. I don't think from the T Wolves, I don't think I'm too worried, but it's definitely a big loss losing those two. Yeah, just to throw some more slander at Gobert, that yeah. trade's looking awfully nice. Danny, <laughs> I saw, I saw the uh, the stats for the the league, and Gobert's not even on the top five for blocks per game or blocks total blocks, and yeah. Walker Kessler's third on that list. Walker Kessler's third a beast. Fourth. Danny Ainge, he's a magician with those trades. Um, but it's amazing to kind of watch the, the downfall. But I think the bigger spotlight should be shined on Jaden McDaniels. Like, how do you punch a wall? Um, that's just that's just crazy to me. Like, if you're that heated in the moment, like, you got to be smart enough not to punch a wall. I mean, I, I punch some walls in my my. Yeah, but at least, like, <laughs> most of the time you punch a wall is those padded coverings at the end. How, how the old is Jaden McDaniels? Do we know how old he is? He's, he's probably low 20s. Yeah, it's probably just immaturity. I mean, obviously. He's 25. 25. 25. Two years older. Only been in the league for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Um, but still, that's a pretty. Uh, that's also tough, too, because they're without yeah. Nas Reed as well, right? He, he got hurt recently, too, so they mm-hmm. might you know, be out as well. That's two power mm-hmm. forwards. Big blow. Yeah. Big, yeah. big blow. So we'll see what they can do against the Lakers tonight. Should be a fun game. Um, probably the most exciting playing game so far. Um, but another bench scuffle that we want to talk about is the Mason Plumley bones Highland scuffle. Now, it happened, kind of went under the radar because of the Gobert one, but they got face-to-face. They got pretty heated there for a minute. Almost kissed. They did. Yeah. <laughs> Not a little steamy. Uh, but what do you guys make of it? Do you think the Clippers are 
Like, that game was just weird, like we said. We don't really know what the Clippers' game plan was going into it, but then that fight was just kind of like, what's going on there? Like, what, what do you think? I personally wouldn't make too much of it. It was, like you said, it was kind of a weird game just because the Suns were resting all their starters. Me, personally, I was expecting the Clippers to blow them out, but, you know, it was a close game. I think it was like a five-point game to finish. Um, and I think it was just in the moment they were both heated, both wanted to win. And I'm sure they talked about it after, hacked everything out, and I think they'll be good for the playoffs. Well, I think, too, I bet you the Clippers probably went into that game thinking they were going to blow out the Suns. Oh, for like sure. Kent said the Suns didn't have any of their starters. And that was a must-win game for the Clippers. Obviously, there were a lot of different scenarios that could have went down um, you know, to affect the um, 6, 7, 8, 9 um, spots in the in the playoffs and playing tournament. And so um, they knew they needed to win that game if they wanted to at least for sure stay um, in that playoff picture. And so I think maybe... You know, maybe they had heard about the Lakers beating the Jazz or the Pelicans and the T-Wolves and how that game was going and thought that maybe there was a chance they'd slide down to 7-8. To, to um, but uh, ultimately, I think it's just a competitive nature. I think Mason Plumlee, Bones Highland, both two competitive guys on a, on a mm-hmm. good team um, with a lot of good guys, and they're just getting – they knew they needed to win and they wanted to win it. Yeah. Mason Plumlee is usually that, like, comic presence. He's usually that veteran <laughs> they can – bring into your team and you know he's not going to cause trouble. So I think it definitely is that thing where it was just heat of the moment. So I'm not worried about them either. Um, but to kind of wrap up our playoff talk here, we wanted to just talk about like one series you guys are looking forward to most. Besides obviously Kings Warriors. Say we're biased. So we're a little biased there. I won't say Celtics versus whoever. But what's one playoff besides your team that you guys are looking forward to the most? I think for me, I'll start off the bat here. I think uh, there's two that I'm excited about, and it's those four, five um, seeds in both the East and the West. I think on the East, Cavs, Knicks, you know, the Knicks, you know, to an extent, have kind of been the laughing stock of the Eastern Conference over the last um, who knows how many years. It's a team that always looks good on paper, but they never can finish in the playoffs. Here they are, fifth seed against a, a younger Cavalier team that hasn't been in the playoffs in the last, I think, three or four years since LeBron's mm-hmm. been gone. Um, Julius Randle's had a great year for the Knicks. Um, so has Emmanuel Quickly. I think he's likely to be the sixth man of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So nah, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's just what I think. I'm not sure, though. Bro, he's a starter. <laughs> I don't know. But regardless, Donovan Mitchell as well, having a great year for the Cavs. I think that's going to be a fun series to watch. And then on the Western Conference side, I think the Suns and the Clippers. Um, if the Clippers can get Paul George healthy uh, by Game 3, Game 4, um, I think the Clippers have a real shot at beating the Suns. The Suns are the Suns are nice though. They, they are a powerhouse. They look really good on paper. And uh, with KD back, I think they're nine and one in the last like ten games that they've played yeah. with KD. I could be wrong, but uh, I'd say those are the two that I'm most excited about. Mm-hmm. For me, I'd say I, I think the uh, the seven seed in the West will be interesting figuring out who that's going to be between the Lakers and the Timberwolves, and then going into that next series with the Grizzlies and potentially the Lakers, potentially the the Timberwolves. I, I'm curious to see that matchup, given the the talent that is on the Grizzlies. You have John Morant, you have Jaron Jackson Jr., you have Dylan Brooks. Kind of a hot-headed team, but, I mean, they, they got a lot of talent. And then you go going against maybe a team like the Lakers, potentially, with LeBron, with An- Anthony Davis and all that talent. It, it, it could get interesting. Yeah, uh, I'm going to kind of just say ditto to some of the stuff they said on the Eastern Conference side. I'm excited for that Cavs-Knicks matchup. I just think... Uh, it's going to be a good series. And Donovan Mitchell, since he's been traded, he's been popping off for the Cavs. So I'm excited to see what, what he can do and have him alongside Darius Garland as well. 
Um, over on the West, other than the Kings series, obviously, I'm looking forward to the Grizzlies just because I want the Grizzlies to lose. Um, <laughs> I hate Dylan Brooks. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, Don't so all. I would love to see whoever ends up as that seventh seed upset the Grizzlies first round. You're telling me as a Kings fan, you'll be cheering for the Lakers, and then it sounds like. Uh, honestly, I will. I will <laughs> cheer for the Lakers. I don't know. I'm a Celtics fan. I might be cheering for the Lakers. <laughs> so I feel you. But I think one series that people are sleeping on is this Philly-Brooklyn series. I know Philly-Brooklyn was all headline of like, oh yeah, it's James Harden versus the Nets or Ben Simmons versus Philly. And obviously Ben Simmons is out for the year and James Harden, um, there's no KD or Kyrie. So that storyline has kind of flown under the radar. But one matchup that was so much fun to watch this year was Nick Claxton and Joel Embiid. They went at each other when they played. And so I think Philly does handle them in five or six games. But... I'm excited to watch that matchup because Nick Claxton's an elite rim protector. Joel Embiid is at his worst when he's not going at the rim. And so I think it'll be a clash of two titans. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Another player that I'm excited to see um, in that series is Mikel Bridges. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, I'm not a huge Denver, or excuse me, Denver, uh, Phoenix fan. And so he was on the Phoenix Suns. I was never a huge fan of him. As he's been on the Nets, he's kind of been their main go-to guy. Bridges has been great, and so I'm I'm interested to see kind of how he takes this new role he has, um, this this more prominent role that he has on the Nets. I'm excited to see what he can do with that against the Sixers. Um, though I do agree with you, I think the the Sixers do handle business ultimately in probably five games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, that's kind of our our playoff scenarios right now. There's some that are going to you know figure out in this next couple of days with the play-in tournament, but we want to get to the the main part. Bring up the Kings. Talk Light about the them. Beam. Light the beam, baby. Light the beam. Of course. It's funny. We were, just, we were just thinking about, like, why has no other team decided to, like, do a beam or something like that? Because they're frauds then. They they're can't fraud. do a beam. Yeah, it's like, what a great idea. I think that's first. awesome for yeah. the kids. It was a magical season, the beam team. Yeah. So we want to start off, uh, yeah, beam teams in the playoffs, right? What is it like being a Kings fan up until now? Up until now, it's been rough, but, like... It was. It got to the point where, like, we've been bad, like, our whole lives, like Ben said earlier. So it was like, yeah, like, you meet people and you're like, oh, I'm a Kings fan. Like, you can talk crap because we were bad, but, like, we knew we were bad. So, <laughs> it, like, we were more surprised when we won games than when we lost games. Like, we just got to that expectation of losing games and losing seasons um, to the point where we entered this season. We started winning. We started seeing ourselves no, not just that six, seven, eight seed. We're like, oh, we can actually like have an actual playoff spot. Like, it, it was a surreal feeling. Mm-hmm. For me, it, I think it, it's almost felt as if we were never ever going to end the streak. Like, mm-hmm. we were just gonna, we were gonna keep losing. And I think the media as well just kind of assumes that, right? We look at the, the Sabonis and Halliburton trade and just kind of the reactions. Granted, maybe at first it seemed like not the best trade. Mm-hmm. But, but really, how is, it, how is that a bad trade? We can talk about that later. But it, no, it's. I mean, obviously, as we know now, it's turned out to be a, a wonderful trade for both teams. I'd say even better for the Kings, given their their current position, and just given that that media attention that's always been pretty negative for for us fans. It just seems like there's no hope. Like we're just going to continue to to fall, continue to lose, and yeah, it's 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 tough. But it's been a great year. We're happy yeah. now. So it's been a great year, and I'll just kind of add to to what these guys have said. Um, loyalty is royalty in Sacramento and uh, that's one thing that I love personally about being a Kings fan is you walk around campus you wear a Kings jersey and you see another man wearing a Kings jersey or a Kings shirt immediate friendship right there because Mm -hmm. as Kent and Ben were saying 
you know, it's been 16, 17 years since we've been in the playoffs. And, you know, I, I, I think in the last probably 10 years or so, I've kind of become, you know, kind of more in the diehard spectrum of, of fans. And so um, seeing us make the playoffs this year, especially just with the complete yeah. turnaround to the ch- coaching change, uh, Keegan Murray in the draft, which we got slander for also, and I'm taking Jaden Ivey. I mean, it's just an awesome yeah. feeling to finally have something positive to talk about when we're talking about Sacramento. Yeah, it's been a, a crazy journey this year for you, the flip in the uh, Sacramento because, you know, the, it was always the running joke, like, oh, you got the good teams and you got the Kings. Like, everyone just kind of, like, pitied you guys. Like, oh, you guys have been bad for so long. Like, I kind of feel bad. Like, But it's ne- like Ben said, it's never going to change. Um, and now, like, you guys got a good young team, a great young core. You got the beam, which is fun. You got the de- defensive player of the game chain, the deep hog. Like, you just got a lot of Mike Brown has just brought fun to the organization. He's brought a seriousness as well. And so suddenly, the Kings are a likable team. Everyone in the NBA likes the Kings. Like, I don't really know of anyone except maybe the Warriors at this point because they're playing them in the series. I don't that, even think that. That That's doesn't like the Kings. <laughs> just like, like the Kings. <laughs> what, what has it been like seeing that shift from, like, not only Kings fans, but, like, everyone likes the Kings now? Well, I think it starts with the culture. And I think that's something that Mike Brown came and did a tremendous job at was changing the culture of the organization because, I mean, again, like for the last who knows how many years, the Kings, you know, on the Western side have kind of been the laughing stock, you know, of the Western Conference, if not the entire league, uh, with terrible draft picks, you know, no offense, but Nick Stauskas, Ben McLemore, uh, Thomas Robinson, Jimmer Fredette, <sighs> shout out BYU. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of been, the Kings have kind of been an afterthought, kind of a joke. And I think when Mike Brown came in, his first um, priority was to change that culture um, which I think he's done a great job um, of, as well as um, our our, uh, our GM Monty McNair picking up Malik Monk, Kevin Herter getting shooters around a guy like Fox and get to the hole whenever he wants. Um, I just think the overall the culture shift has been has been tremendous for us. I feel like from a fan's perspective, it's it's been amazing. You know, it's been a complete shift, and it's it's brought a lot more life to the fan base. I mean, the fan base in Sacramento, a lot of people outside of Sacramento don't don't expect it. It's a smaller market team. But the fan base is amazing. You know, like mm-hmm. like Nick said, it's a very loyal fan base. They love their team. And to kind of see this new energy with the beam, with with a, with a great roster, it's it's been really, really exciting. Yeah, it's been exciting to watch from around the league. I think people are taking notes. Like you said, the Kevin Herter trade, that, taking back to last year, that was a steal. Like take, getting it from the Hawks for literally like dirt was amazing for you guys. So just little motions year after year that get right back on pace and you can – bringing a coach to kind of be the final piece in the puzzle to really change the thing. I remember back in the preseason that one fan after winning a game was chanting, we're going to get 40 wins. And everyone's like, yeah, sure. Like We were there. 40. We were there. That yeah. was the California Classic. It was. And everyone laughed at them. But now you guys got, what, 50 wins? Almost? 49. 49? 48. 48. Like, you guys exceeded <laughs> expectations of this guy. So it's been an amazing season to watch. And I think it's reflecting as well the the buy-in ticket for game one is 500 bucks, setting a record around the league ever for playoff series, series one. So it's just, it's a fun team, man. Yeah, I kind of liken them to the Warriors in a way because I grew up watching the Warriors when they sucked, and I my favorite player was Monte Ellis. And so it's kind of like the same thing with Fox, where you have that player that's always on the, the team, right, that they got. And then, you know, they're not that good of a team, but we traded Monte Ellis, right? And you guys traded Halliburton mm-hmm. for someone, you know, you, you look on it, it's like Halliburton, wow, he has so much upside. And Sabonis has been in the league for a while. So I kind of 
compare that Ellis to Bogut trade where, yeah. you know, it works both ways. But getting, like, that piece and then getting another coach, like we got Mark Jackson, you guys got um, Mike Brown. So it's, like, kind of just building through the draft and then, you know, making a trade just for one person that, like, really sets the tone for your team. And I think that's been Sabonis this whole year because they've had they've had Fox, they've had, you know, their, their players, their young players, like Harris, or I guess old players now, Harrison Barnes. But they never really had like that that staple, and I think Sabonis has been that. Um, so yeah, I want to l- talk a little bit more about Sabonis. Um, what do you think the impact he's brought to your team? I don't think we're in the position we are without. We I don't think we are in the position that we currently are in without him. Uh, I mean, he's league leader in rebounds. He's, in my opinion, the number three center in the league uh, behind Jokic and Embiid. Uh, he just can do so much offensively. He can. He's up there in assists with the league. Uh, he can score at the rim, mid-range. He's even been working. If you follow Lethal Shooter on Instagram, <laughs> he's, a, he's yeah. a shooting coach. Um, he's so he's he's knocked down a few threes this season. And, you know, when he pulls the trigger from deep, you don't cringe. Like, it's, it's an okay shot. Um, he can just facilitate and do so much on and off the ball. I think uh, <clears throat> when we're talking who's the MVP of the Kings this year, there's a large argument for, for De'Aaron Fox, but I think I think I pick Sabonis. I mean, like Kent said, the Kings are not in their current position without him. His presence in the paint is just unmatched. You know, uh, his strength. You know, I consider him. You know, you know, you look at guys who are the strongest guys in the league. You think Stephen Adams. You think Zion Williamson. And I think Sabonis is up there. His presence is just dominant. He creates. Um, so people can't. People can't. People have to help when Sabonis is posting up on somebody, and that just leaves the shooters wide open. So when Fox drives, he can either dish it to Sabonis for a dunk under the rim, pass it out to, to Herder Monk for threes, Keegan Murray for threes, and and uh, I think he's been, in my opinion, the MVP of the team this year. He's been a huge impact. What and many people don't 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 realize this, but back in December, Sabonis actually broke his wrist mm-hmm. um, against the Wizards, and he was out one game against the Nuggets. The Kings lost. Sabonis came back the the game after that, played the Nuggets again, and then we won. And since then, I mean, the the trajectory of the team was just going up right so Sabonis the, his toughness playing on a broken wrist leading a team of, of young players it it's incredible he facilitates the offense and, and does so much for the team not to yeah. mention in that first game back after his broken wrist he and that win against the Nuggets the back-to-back win I think he had like 30 and 10 you know mm-hmm. and it's like man that's that's a tough he's been hooping he, he he's tough cookie man, he <laughs> fights, man. He fights. like you said the MVP of the Kings but more than that he's been one of the MVPs of the league he was fifth in the MVP rankings in the last week of the season, trailing only Embiid, Joker, uh, Giannis, and Tatum. So, like, fifth best player in the league, according to the MVP race. So, he's having an insane season. And I'll talk about the value of the contract, less than $20 million a year. So, that guy has got to be one of the most valuable contracts in the league, and he still has next year under that as well. So, like, it's amazing for to see what he's doing. Kind of Jokic-ish. We were joking around before. He's kind of jokic light. Um, he puts up very similar stats. He's actually averaging more rebounds than Jokic at this point, but very similar kind of play style as Jokic. Um, I think he's – plus all the shooters around him really just help him out a lot. So Sabonis has been uh, one of the most valuable players in the league by far, and I think the stats show it. For sure. And like we said, you could go off and on with Sabonis and Fox, right? But Fox undoubtedly is the clutchest player in the, no NBA, in the NBA this year, no I mean, question. you could you could put like Kyrie as the best like fourth quarter scorer, but like clutchness, 
doesn't even come close with Fox this year. I agree. I think, uh, you know, we were, so, well, now here in Utah, going to um, here BYU, going to school BYU, whenever the Kings are in town playing the Jazz, we go. And the last time, excuse me, two times ago, when the Kings were in Sacramento, we got to see one of the many Fox game winners this year when he had that nice little right-handed layup um, over Lowry Markkinen for the win. And, uh, I mean, I agree 100%. He's undoubtedly the, the, the clutch player of the year, multiple game winners, um, and it's, it's by a landslide. I mean, I don't know the total. I don't know how exactly it works in the clutch points and clutch time or whatever, but I know I think second, second up is Jimmy Butler, if I'm mistaken, or DeMar DeRozan, DeRozan maybe. Um, with most points in those last five minutes. Um, yeah, Fox has been great all year. What would you say is your favorite, I'll just ask all of you, what is your favorite clutch Fox moment this year? Think about it. So, I'm going to have to go with his game winner against the Jazz because I despise Jazz fans more, uh, <laughs> more, than, more than anyone in the league. Uh, they just, they piss me off. So, um, the fact that... And on top of that, the last few years since we've been living here in Utah, um, the Kings just get bodied by the Jazz every single time. So to be able to be at a, a good Jazz game where the Kings win and be able to kind of just walk out that building, you know, talking our talk, uh, it, it just felt good. There you go. I think the most exciting of the buzzer beaters was uh, the, the buzzer beater in overtime against the Magic. I mean, we've all seen it a bunch of times. It's all over. Uh, social media, I feel like House of Highlights is posting it every week, just highlighting it again. I mean, it's just the the range on the shot. I think just the, the tension in the game at that point. The Kings had just turned the ball over, and it, we were going to win, but then we turned it over. Magic scored. In addition to that, the Kings, they lost their first four games of the season. They were able to beat the Heat in their fifth game, and then they were against the Magic, and that's kind of a must-win game. And so to be able to win the game on a buzzer beater like that, super exciting, and, and just kind of bring that energy and that gets confidence back to the team was so huge. Yeah, and I just I agree with these two. I think those two game winners were awesome. Um, just to kind of change it up, you know, aside from the Chicago game winner that was also sick, um, I liked the, you know, the clutch shot that he had um, against the Clippers in L.A. in that big 176-175 win. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, that – his little, you know, crossover to the elbow jump shot mid-range. You know, he's president of the MIDI committee. You know, Mark Jones <laughs> says that on the Kings broadcasting. I like that. And uh, I thought that shot, you know, given the circumstance, you know, the second highest total point scored game in, in, in I think, history, um, on the road, and also, you know, a must-win game if you look at it standings-wise. You know, Clippers mm-hmm. and Kings are right there. Um, that was a, a big-time uh, shot for, for De'Aaron. Yeah, I, those are all, I remember uh, distinctly all three of those shots. Um, it feels like every time Fox gets the ball in the clutch, you're like, yeah, it's going in. Like I, I He's reached the level of DeMar DeRozan for me where I just know he's going to make those shots. Um, so I really like that. I really liked Fox coming out of the draft. That 2017 draft class was amazing. Obviously, you got guys like Marco Fultz, who's turned into a good role player. Lonzo Ball, if he can ever get back, was playing really good ball. Tatum, Dominic Mitchell, Jared Allen, all those guys. Bam out of bio. Like, it's a really good draft class, and Fox is starting to solidify himself as one of the better players in there. And so it's really fun to watch. I loved watching him at Kentucky. He had that dog in him there. He was a baller there, and for him to fall to five for you guys um, is just amazing. It was, it was really good for you guys. I was really happy when you guys drafted Fox. Yeah, so those two players, definitely key for the Kings in their you know historic run this, this uh, season, locking up the three seed. 
And that brings us to the matchup that they have versus the Warriors. The three go. versus the six. Here we go. <laughs> so I want to get your thoughts. Uh, we have the that matchup preview. So we can just go around and, and share some thoughts we, we, we're thinking. Whoever wants to start. I mean, obviously, as a Kings fan, we're worried. Um, the the Warriors are the Warriors at the end of the day. You know, reigning champs, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, all future Hall of Famers. Steph's the best shooter to ever play the game. Um, but with that being said, I still think the Kings can win the series. I think it will be hard. Um, but if you look at kind of what they did against the Warriors, the series... Uh, during the season was 3-1 to the Warriors, but and some of those games were questionable. Um, and we were resting our starters the last time they played, so that, that game doesn't really count. But Steph's going to do his thing in the series. Um, Andrew Wiggins going to be coming back, which will help them, but you know, there's questions to how much rust does he have. He hasn't played in, I think, seven weeks uh, with the team in a game, so he's going to need some time to adapt. I think it's all going to come down to the Kings and what type of team they bring out. You know, if they're playing to the level of ball that we saw in the kind of the middle of the season, I think we can win. I think it could go to seven and we win at Golden One at home. Um, but if we are just careless and don't take it full intensity the whole time, I mean, the Warriors are going to do what they've been doing for the last decade. They're going to walk right over us. Well, I think, you know, my, my opinion on the series, first off, I'm super excited. I think it's going to be a great series. I think it's going to be great for the fans, both in Sacramento and Golden State. Short travel, short trip. Um, everyone's been riding off the Kings for years. And, you know, again, we can go back to, you know, the, when we drafted Keegan Murray. Oh, my word, they should have taken Ivy. Look at us now. Oh, they shouldn't have traded Tyrese Halliburton for Domas. He's out of his prime. Look at us now. And I think... Even right now, everyone is riding the Kings out. Everyone's saying, you know, the, this is the Warriors series. And honestly, th this is this is the this is the Warriors series to lose. I think the Warriors, um, you know, have an advantage. Obviously, like Kent said, having that playoff experience. Obviously, getting Wiggins back is going to be huge for them, especially defensively and on the re on the boards. Um, but I, I still think, you know, the Kings have a great chance, and I think the Kings are the underdogs in this series, despite being the three seed. Um, I just think, you know. Kevin Looney, he's a great center. Obviously, he's taller, longer, which is, you know, not help for, helpful for DeMontis Sabonis. But at the end of the day, it's DeMontis Sabonis. Mm -hmm. And he's been a top five MVP. You know, he's been a top five, top ten MVP caliber player this entire year. So if Sabonis can get his and we can get our shooters open and Herger's hitting, Monk's hitting, Fox is doing his thing, I think it's going to be a great series. If I'm, if I'm having to pick a winner, which I don't know, are we going to do that eventually, pick winners? Uh, yeah, you can go ahead and pick a winner right now. Pick a winner right now. Kings and seven, man. Kings and seven. I, I think the Kings. I think the Kings fall at home in game one. They're not used to the to the playoff atmosphere. I think the Kings come back game two. I think they take game three. Warriors win game four. Kings win home game five. Warriors at home game six. Kings win at home in game seven. Sacramento is going to round two. And something to just add on to that: the Warriors' away record this season is terrible. And the step into Golden One, I, mean, I think we still hold the record for the loudest arena. Um, Golden One's a different atmosphere. So, yeah, they got the playoff experience, but can they play on the road? One other quick thing I might add as well is you look at the rosters, and yes, you, like the Golden State Warriors clear, clearly have an incredible team. They've proven that, you know, time and time again. Um, and there are a lot of shooters, right? Um, I mean, the Kings are a great shooting team as well. You know, it's they, 
you know, Keegan Murray's been an incredible shooter for the for the Kings. You know, his rookie season broke the three point rookie record. Kevin Herter, Red Velvet, you know, he he's always wet from outside. And and there's plenty of other guys that can that can shoot. And so obviously there's a, a little bit of a of a lack in terms of defense for the Kings. That's been one of the, the tougher aspects of the team. But offensively, you know, we're all time the, the best offense in the in the NBA, right? That is fact. Um, and so it's going to be two great offenses competing. Um, and, um, you know, if the Kings, if they're able to, to play some, some good defense lockdown, I think it, it will be a great series. Like Ben said, just to pick back on that one more time, like you said, statistically, you know, it is the best offense in the history of the NBA, which obviously, you know, on the defensive end, we're not quite there yet. We get that probably partially due to the fast pace the Kings play with. Um, but I think it's going to be a great series. Two great offenses um, going at each other. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh I thought Corey Corey can attest to this. I told him that I don't think the Warriors would win this year if we didn't have Wiggins healthy and Gary Payton healthy because we didn't really care about their regular season record. Like they do it every year after they've won. Uh they don't really care about the regular season and they turn it on in the playoffs. And so I feel like just things are kind of working in the right direction, which it happened last year too. Like, Steph was playing with Draymond, then all of a sudden uh, Clay got back in, the like, Christmas, and then you're like, oh, now they're going to play. And then Draymond gets hurt for a month, then he comes back, then Steph gets hurt, and he's out until the playoffs, and he gets right back in time, and he comes off the bench in that first series against the, the Nuggets. And so it, it just works out for them. And I think it's just going to be the same thing. They didn't get the the fifth seed they didn't have to face phoenix and kd in the first round which no one wants to play kd everyone knows what he's capable of he can you know chuck calls him a bus rider but he can bring the team to the finals if it if his shoe size is a little smaller but (laughs) (laughs) but uh we we escaped that uh that son's team we escaped Kawhi leonard we escaped Jokic, and so we have this side of the bracket where it's, the Kings are a great team. Um, they're they're going to be underdogs, and that's going to be their calling card, is going to be the underdog that they have something to prove. I honestly think, like, picking a winner, I think the Warriors will actually drop the first game. I think the Kings are going to come out and just fire them, and it's gonna be, I think it's going to be the same thing as that Celtics finals one because the, the, the Warriors took that whole week off. The Celtics were fresh off of Game 7, and, you know, that first game was like, oh, the Warriors are going to win, then the Celtics come right back. I think it's going to be just like that. The Warriors are going to get a kick in their face, and then they're going to, you know, come back. And I think I think Warriors in six. Uh, the Kings, you know, have an amazing season. But it's just, like, I don't like uh, – it's not like I'm not a Kings fan. Like, no, we get it. We, we get love – like, we understand like everyone. <laughs> we love, we love – the whole NBA loves the Kings. It's just like, oh, you have to play the Warriors. It's just like, dang. Yeah, it's interesting being like the neutral party here listening yeah. to you guys talk about the series because obviously you guys talk all about the Kings and like why the Kings can win the series. And Dan is already laying down the excuse of why the Warriors might lose the series. He's getting prepared because I think, I think the Warriors are a little scared right he's now. He's scared, man. Um, <laughs> now, saying that, being a Celtics fan, watching the Warriors absolutely dismantle your team in the finals, <laughs> it's, not, it's something you got to take seriously. Like, you can't think about the Warriors like oh yeah like they're the six seed they're not as good on the road or things like that because it's 48 minutes of where Steph Steph Curry can beat any team by himself if he gets hot 
and there's just nothing you can do about it. He's running around the court doing little dances with Jordan Poole. You don't know what he's doing. And so it's those, those things like that where it's just unpredictable. But I think the Kings, their strong suit is one, Darren Fox is fast as crap, and he's going to be running around with Steph right on his hip. He's never going to get lost. And two, you got guys like Davion Mitchell who can sub in and, and clamp guys like Jordan Poole, so they can't do the running around thing as well. Davion, I will say this real quick. Davion, sorry to interrupt. Davion yeah. Mitchell has been a dog this year yes. for the Kings. And he flies under the radar, does not get a lot of attention. You know, he's never been huge offensively, but, man, that kid is going to lead the league in charges one day, I he think. He will. He's a, he's a dog. Um, he's got one of the best nicknames, Lock Knight. Uh, one of the best nicknames in the league. Um, but I, one thing I was surprised none of you guys brought up was the coaching. Mike Brown literally just came from the Warriors. If there's That's anyone in the league that knows the Warriors' offense, it's Mike Brown. So, like, I think that you guys got an edge there with Mike Brown. And no, no disrespect to Steve Kerr, but Steve Kerr doesn't know the Kings' offense. Now, yes, he knows what Mike Brown wants to do and likes to do, but it's not the same. Mike Brown definitely didn't say everything when he was in Golden State. So, yes, I'm scared of the, the Warriors. I, you got to have a little bit of fearful respect for them. Fearful but respect, good word. The good Kings word. just... They got they got something. They got a little edge, I think. And if they play right, they um, keep their head in it. Don't get too overwhelmed by the moment, like you said. I think it goes seven games. And I think it's a, it's a coin toss. I could see either team winning. And I really hope the Kings win. I'm gonna say Kings in seven, just cause I want to yeah. see the Warriors lose. Yeah, <laughs> um, just out of my own pride, cause I I think the Celtics matchup still really bad against the Warriors. He just doesn't so, want to face us again. Yeah, exactly. Um, he doesn't. So, the only team that could beat him. <laughs> so if you guys could knock him out round one, I'll be eternally grateful for that. Um, but yeah, I think it's gonna be a great series. And I think the the Kings got a good matchup there. Yeah, well, that's gonna do it for our Kings talk. Is great talking about that. They're, they're like we said, you just can't not like them. They're a great team this year. Underdogs, who who can't root for the underdogs? Sure. Unless you're a fan of the other team, which happens to be me. But <laughs> yeah. uh, we want to go back to our our bets. There's a classic thing we do throughout the season. Uh, we've have four games that we're gonna bet on today. And Corey Dana won the last week. I did. I, I came in clutch he the last did. two games. The last couple games, he swept me. So. Got to lock in right here and get back in the win column. But it's, we it's got 10 the, to 8. So yeah, Corey's we got, still up. We got the two playing games these next two get days. So we got four games in total. Um, so the first game is going to be the Hawks at Heat. The Heat are minus five-point favorites at home. What do you think? I think it's going to be the Heat. I I think Jimmy Butler turns it on. He, he shows up during the playoffs in meaningful games, and I don't think the Hawks, they've been a mid-team whole year they have a mid so baba manifest it trey young playoff performance 40 bomb for trey young tonight Ooh, i think dang. the hawks win it and trey young yeah ever off. since john collins said that he's yeah. like staff i'm like ah, and no then respect for that, that. I, I gotta i gotta ask real quick is that because you want to play the hawks in the first round yeah. you don't want to play he the wants to it's play a little bit both Celtics yeah <laughs> it's a little bit of that but also he doesn't there's reports smoke. going around today saying like oh uh the hawks have a green light to trade trey young this offseason and I, I bet Trey Young takes it personally. I think that's just the kind of guy Trey Young is, where he's going to see those reports, and he's already commented on it, saying it might be true, it might not be. And I think he goes out there and he hoops. I think he hoops, and I think he's a good matchup for the – who's they're going to put on him? Kyle Lowry? Kyle Lowry's not staying in front of Trey Young. So, like, Tyler Hero's not staying in front of Trey Young. So I, I think Trey Young has a good matchup there. Yeah. 
We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, the next one we have the Wolves at Lakers, and the Lakers are favored eight and a half, which is a lot of points for a playing game. Anything can happen. What do you say? This pains me, but I'm going with the Lakers. I think the Lakers just blow them out. I think it's not even a close game. I think it's been kind of boring. You got to go bed early, but I think the Wolves just, without Jaden McDaniels, I don't see how they match up. Yeah, that's tough. And, I mean, Gobert, whether you think he's better on the court with the, with the Timberwolves or worse, uh, they're losing two players that are key. So, yeah, yeah that, I could see that. Uh, next, we have Bulls at Raptors, and the Raptors yeah. favorited five. And I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go with the home teams. Uh, both, both of them are five points spread. Uh, and the the Raptors, they're it's a tough place to win in in Canada. It is, but if there's one guy who knows where how to win in Canada. It's Demar Derozan. That's yeah. true. So Demar Derozan could pull it off, and now they have to win this game and then beat the loser of Hawks Heat to make the playoffs to lose to the Bucks in the first round. Um, <laughs> but I think they. I don't know. It's a toss-up, but I think the Bulls could do it. Zach Levine could have a big night. Um, DeRozan could show off for his old fans. Um, the Raptors are kind of like – I feel like they know it's going to be a blow – they're going to blow it up this offseason. It's not going to be the same team next year, so maybe they're kind of looking ahead and they're just kind of done with the season. Who knows? I think it might depend on uh, if DeRozan's getting the whistle too because a lot of his points come out of free throws. It's true. But our final game of the, the first round of the play-in is Thunder at Pelicans. The Pelicans are minus five and a half point favorites at home. What do you think? Uh, I think I think the Thunder. Thunder. I think the Thunder take that. I think SGA. He's been cooking all year. He's gonna put on a performance, just like that of his uh, his rap lyrics. He, he goes he does, off. Yeah, he has some great Instagram posts. If you guys haven't seen those, definitely go check out his Instagram. Uh, Jalen Williams posted a uh, translation for the caption as well. So it's pretty funny. But I like the Pelicans in this. Five and a half points is a lot, but I think they win it. I think they get a rematch in Minnesota. So I, th- I think it's a, a good game right there. But I think Pelicans come out clutch. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for our, our bets. All these games are going to be good, except the Lakers one because <laughs> the Wolves. But it's, it's you know, be interesting to see what happens, especially with Heat. If you know they play the Celtics, that could be a good series, and yeah. so could – you know, Lakers and Memphis. So, I mean, those two, just as an NBA fan, those are two that I'm looking forward to in the first round of yeah. the playoffs. The first round starts Saturday and Sunday. So get ready, get excited. It's it's coming. Yeah, and we're grateful that we had some Kings fans on today. Cool. Uh, we want to just thanks for, thank you for coming. and uh, Thanks, for, thanks having for having us. Always happy to talk about our team. Like the yes, beam, sir. baby. Like the beam. For sure, and we wish you luck in the playoffs and no hard feelings as a Warriors fan. <laughs> But I think that's going to do it today on Four Wins in June. We'll be back for the first round of the playoffs, and we'll see you next time.